Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Now, during most of these programs, we tell you the story of our church as we feature interviews with our members. Right now, we're following up on uh, some teaching that we're doing on our Wednesday evening services via live stream, Speaking Truth in a Season of Uncertainty. And that's every Wednesday evening. You can find more on our website at hbcguam.org. That's also where you can find information about our Sunday morning live stream, which we'd like to invite you to. That'll be at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. This week, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, children who grew up to be difference makers and the moms who raised them. But as we begin harvest time today, let's welcome Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. This week is Mother's Day. That might be a reminder maybe to some. It's going to feel weird in church because we're usually together, but uh, we're going to try to celebrate moms in every way that we can here at Harvest on Sunday. We're so grateful for the godly women that make a difference in our families, of course, but in the life of our church. And so it's right and good for us to celebrate that. We'd like to do that this Sunday. Exodus chapter 2 is a story about a lady named Jochebed, and if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, Jochebed is the mother of Moses. So Exodus 2 gives some really interesting, I think, cool principles about a mom who cares, and then ultimately, of course, Moses is a man who influenced so many, changed the course of history, really. So I think there's some practical help, and I expect it'll be encouraging for moms and families. And so we want to invite you to be a part of this service on Sunday. It'll be live stream, of course, this week, but we're looking forward to that time together in in Exodus chapter 2. Well, we're continuing our series on Wednesday nights at Harvest. We're calling it a truth series, but truth in a season of uncertainty. We've just been talking about, I think, eight topics that we felt were going to be important and helpful and timely in this season of COVID-19 and, and all of the implications across our world. And so we've been working through these things. I think it's been pretty interesting to see the way that God has timed these out. You know, early on in our discussions, put these together, and they've seemed like week by week, they've been topics that have been important for the time. I'm happy to introduce and welcome Pastor Jeremy Zajcek to Harvest Time today. Welcome, Pastor Jeremy. Afadeh, great to be with you guys. Pastor Jeremy and Gina, his wife, and their five children have been on Guam coming up on a year now. We're so thankful for the way that God led them here, led them to Guam. Pastor Jeremy leads as a lead administrator of the academy, Harvest Christian Academy, serves on the pastoral team, on the administrative team, and his help frankly, through this season of COVID-19 has been very, very helpful. And so we're thankful for God leading you here. And uh, we gave you kind of a tough topic. (laughs) Yeah, sure did. Um, I thought that too, you know, as I looked at the topics when they first came out about seven weeks ago, I saw me in government and I thought that's a long ways away. This COVID thing is going to be cleared up pretty good. It's going to be pretty (laughs) easy. (laughs) But here we are seven weeks later you know, life is still not returned back to normal. And so, yeah, it is a really timely topic that the Lord's given us to, to delve into and look at specifically his word and what he has to say about a biblical response to government. Yeah, and that's really been the foundation of this series. We're not just, you know, spouting different pastors' opinions. 
what we've been saying is that there's a lot of opinions out there. And if you read the paper, if you watch any news, any social media, on any number, any one of these topics we've been looking at, you know, you can come up with all kinds of different ideas. And it's easy for us to just get sucked into, uh, you know, maybe somebody that thinks a little bit like us or the most persuasive person, hopefully not the loudest person, which I think happens with a lot of people. But, and, uh, you know, the perspective of our world colors how we think about things. So what we've wanted to do is come back and say, now, what does the Bible say about this? Not how do I think about it? What's, you know, what's all the things of my circumstance and background, you know, how all that influences, but let's find out exactly what the Bible starts with, what the Bible says, and let's start there. So I really appreciate the study that you did and the teaching, both in the article that came out this week and then the teaching on Wednesday night. So we'd like to track a few questions related both with some of your specific teaching and then maybe some questions that flow out of that. You spent a lot of time, or a significant amount of time, foundationally in 1 Peter chapter 1 as sort of a biblical foundation. We don't have time. If anybody's listening and is interested in those studies, they can go back on our website and find both the article and also the Wednesday night teaching. So we won't do the whole thing, but could you give us a summary maybe of the thoughts of 1 Peter in regard to government and authority? Yeah, absolutely. As as I looked and just studied the different passages in the Bible that dealt specifically with government. I ended up in First Peter because I think the context of the book is really important and pertinent to where we're at today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote this around 60 AD, and there was significant persecution that was happening to Christians because of their faith. In fact, we know Nero lived around this time, a Roman emperor, and things were pretty brutal in how Christians were treated. And so, While we're not necessarily experiencing right now persecution because of our faith, that is just really important context to consider as we delve into a a proper response to government, because that's what Peter does exactly. He begins the book by encouraging the readers of his letter that are scattered because of persecution. He encourages them to have an eternal focus. Then right after that, he talks about trials. There's trials of their faith and talks about the, the making the genuineness of their faith and God is not out of control. God has placed these authorities in their lives. And he's also talked big picture about a response to authority, not just government, but other authorities in our lives as well. And specifically addresses slaves and masters and then husbands and wives. And so all of these things just make it very pertinent to what we're dealing with here in this time. We say that a lot around here. I mean, it's so foundational. Everything that we think through has to begin with our theology, and our theology really is what we believe about God. And if we don't get that right, it's sort of like the cornerstone of the building block, then anything else that we build on top of it is skewed. So this idea even here that God is in control, this is not out of control in anything that he's done. I mean, that starts there because it produces a trust and then we can go, you know, we can make decisions based on that. Yeah, absolutely. There is a temptation to believe when things go poorly that somehow God is out of control. And we see from this passages and others that as we talk about specifically, you know, obedience and submission to authority, it's very clear in the second chapter that it's for the Lord's sake, which tells us that it's not beyond God's control. You mentioned just a a minute ago, and then you also said this, I think, in the article, and I want to come back to this idea, but something along the idea that we're not experiencing persecution because of our faith right now. 
there might be some that <laughs> might disagree with that sense, rightly or wrongly, that maybe there is some legitimate persecution for Christians that's happening in the middle of all these other things. How, how would we respond to that from the scriptures? And Right now, at least in Guam, and you know, it's been a, a balance as I've tried to study this topic out to read the news, but not read the news too much to let yeah. it shape you know, opinion. But what we're responding here to in Guam is a response to our governor, which is really wide-ranging and includes everyone. We don't feel uh, at this point like the governor has singled out institutions of faith and said, you can't do this. And so it's really a broad effort of everyone here in our community, let's do these things for the sake of the health of our population. Chris, I think you were saying something earlier, we were talking about this beforehand, that many, many people and groups are being impacted by this, right? Well, there are many that are their entire livelihoods and everything they've worked for for these many years is being impacted. They're losing what they've worked for, and they have a a tremendous impact. For the most part, we're still operating as a church without, in many ways, not in the way we would want to, in the way the Bible outlines that we ought to. Well, we talked about that, you know, one of the first weeks. I mean, we really do believe we're supposed to gather together. Yes. Live stream is not a substitute for the gathering, for the assembling. So we, you know, you'd have to go back and look at that. We won't come back to it again. But the reality is, though, the church is remained the church through this time because it's not just about coming into a building. So the thing that I was thinking about is there are many that things have been taken away from them in the sense that this has impacted them to an even greater degree than we have been impacted. We're still able to teach remotely. We're still able to connect with each other. Just in my deacon responsibilities, I'm connecting with all of the people that are in my group. We're supporting each other. We're praying for one another. We're ministering to other people some people who are younger in their faith and some people who need Christ for salvation. We're evangelizing. We're carrying out a lot of our mission, but there are limitations. We've, we've been given limitations, but the sense that I was saying that in is this has impacted people to where they cannot operate in the way that they used to operate, and it's impacted them permanently. So when we say we're not singled out, it's not just that we're not singled out, but we're in this together with a lot of people that have been impacted even more. And I think the struggle that people have as they're trying to think through this is that we can come up with other like organizations, businesses that are able to open up. And when we compare ourselves to them, we think, well, I mean, people can go to Home Depot, you know, they can, you know, pretty soon they're going to be able to go to the mall why is it that the church can't gather? And I and there's some merit to that question. I, I don't mean to say that I, there really is some merit to that. It's, it's a conversation we need to keep having. But the reality is there's others like us that are not able to. I mean, you mentioned before, I mean, sports franchises, yeah. large gatherings. So what we're saying here, and I think what you're saying, Jeremy, is that we don't sense that the church is being singled out of those groups. I mean, NFL, NBA, they can't gather either. College football's, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Restaurants, yeah, for instance, yeah. yeah. So there's discussions, of course, that we can have about all these things. But this comes back to this idea that we're not sensing that there's a spiritual persecution that takes place. But connect with that. I was going to ask it later, but I think it comes right in the conversation. So how is that different then in certain countries 
now and for sure in our past, where the government said the church cannot meet, but churches continue to meet. They meet in secret. They meet, you know, in homes. I mean, why is our situation different than that? If we feel like we're supposed to meet and our government is telling us not to meet, other people of other times have done that and God's blessed them. Shouldn't we just go ahead and do that? What's the difference here? Yeah, it's a... That's an awesome question and one that takes really just a lot of thinking. And I want to, yeah, wait out any personal opinion and just look biblically on this. I have the opportunity to teach 10th grade life skills class here at Harvest Christian Academy. And we've done some work looking at ethics and how we make decisions and what, what are good decisions and what's bad decisions. And we really make a distinction between absolute truth and relative truth. Absolute truth is is truth that doesn't change. Relative truth, it can change. And for example, I'll give you an example to help clarify that. If we look to governing law or governing rules as absolute truth, we get ourselves into trouble because that changes with cultures. We've seen laws change on the definition of marriage or abortion. And so we can't look to the law as an absolute source of truth. We have to look to the Bible. Those things don't change. We see that specifically throughout scriptures that those things don't change. And so when we consider what is truth, it has to be the Bible. And so there are times in the Bible, specifically if you read through the book of Daniel, when it becomes an appropriate response for Daniel to say, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do because it violates the absolute truth that I believe. So for somebody to say, you know, Pastor Jeremy, but Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is a command. There's never been another time in history. Well, actually, there has been, but the Hmm. the argument, there's never been another time in history when churches have submitted in this Hmm. way. We just continue to meet. What what makes this situation different? Hmm. I think we need to be careful to remember that there's a process, not just go from what used to be to maybe nuclear. You know, as citizens of this country, we have the right and the privilege and the responsibility even to speak up and engage our leaders and our authorities, to talk to them and share our concerns in a respectful way. I think, I think we have the obligation to do that in an appropriate way. And so it's easy to jump to, well, I'm going to do this because they said well, let's engage those leaders. Let's make sure we're following that process to, to make sure that it's not just a misunderstanding where they, they're making decisions that affect large, large populations from you know, commerce to tourism. And, and maybe they're not thinking specifically about faith-based institutions. We should engage those leaders to make sure that they're accounting for us. And there is a place, biblically, uh, you referenced Daniel, for civil disobedience, right? Is there a time when Christians should not submit to the authority? Yeah, um, it's very clear looking at the book of Daniel when we're instructed by authorities to do something that's counter to what God has commanded us to do, that would be a time for civil disobedience. And how does that play into our current situation? So as a church, as a ministry, along with thousands and thousands of churches across our nation, you know, we've said that as our authorities have asked us to not meet, that for the care of people in submission to the authority, you know, a lot of factors play into this that we would not. There's certainly a sense, even a growing sense across our nation. I don't even know how this is across the world, but there's a point at which churches have to start meeting again. And mm-hmm. we, we would agree, right? Mm-hmm. This can't be indefinite. If we were in this situation a year from now, I think we'd all really have trouble. 
But I think it's hard to determine, you know, is there a point in there when we say, it doesn't matter what people say, we've got to meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, in China, they're meeting mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, in, yeah. uh, you know, and I, that's maybe a bad example. But in another situation, a closed country mm-hmm. where gathering of Christians has been forbidden, they meet anyway, mm-hmm. no matter what the consequences are. Mm-hmm. Is there any point on which we can say, here's the things that change mm-hmm. for us? Yeah, I, I visualize this as a teeter-totter on the playground right outside the window here. At what point does that teeter-totter switch, and when does it become a decision uh, that a believer has to make? I'm not trying to avoid the question, but if I go back, I want to understand, too, just my own, yeah, maybe fleshly desires that we see here, um, even in the passage. We, we see this in Genesis, that our unnatural inclination of ours is to resist authority. Satan fell in an act of rebellion to God. We see Adam and Eve in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Genesis. Satan specifically tempted the authority of God. Did he really say, don't eat of the tree? And Eve said, yes. And then he questioned again and said, well, if you do, did God really mean it that you're surely going to die? And so I want to understand and know my own and balance that as I think about what the future holds. I want to know that I have a natural inclination to wanting to say, you know what, this is this is a sin against uh, me personally. And so knowing that natural desire in my heart and trying to balance that appropriately, boy, that's something that I don't feel like we're currently at the place where we have to make that decision. I think there's other steps in place to exhaust with the authorities before a decision like that would be made. And definitely we need to seek the Lord's face because it, it apart from government telling us specifically to do something that God tells us to do, it seems to me a bit of a gray area and one that we should seek the Lord and pray through specifically and ask for guidance of the Holy Spirit and for wisdom so that we can maintain our testimony. Peter addresses these people as strangers, pilgrims, sojourners, because they did stick out uh, where they were at. They're not in their home country, and, th- and that's what we're doing. So we also have an obligation of appropriate biblical response, even when the government is telling us to do hard things, that would point others to God because of our specific reaction to what they're asking us to do. Yeah, it's really good, really helpful. I've had some great conversations with people from our church and others in the last few weeks on this topic. I really appreciate different perspectives, the way people are thinking through this. One of the things that I've come back to a few times that I think helps guide my thoughts, just looking at Romans chapter 13, which is the parallel, kind of Mm -hmm. parallel passage to 1 Peter that gives us some real instructions and clearly talks about submit. So verse 1 talks about every soul be subject unto the higher powers, submit to your government authorities, because they're from God. Mm -hmm. These are ordained by God. But verse 2 is helpful for me. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Mm-hmm. I think this the word damnation has more to do with the judgment that comes with the authority that's given. So I don't see it as some type of God-given damnation. But the Bible clearly says, hey, there's consequences for this. To me, it brings a, a real soberness mm-hmm. to any decision that would say my authority, government authority, or any authorities tell me to do something and I would choose to not do it, mm-hmm. I better be really clear that this is what God's asked me to do because what God said is that he put that authority in my life. Mm-hmm. It was ordained by God. Mm-hmm. His hand picked, <laughs> and that sounds horrible sometimes with some of the horrible rulers you know, in history, but this has been allowed by God for our good, and 
So he commands us to submit. And so there's consequences to not doing so. So I think we have to come at it so you know, so carefully. Mm. Uh, we could talk about this forever, and we're actually already running out of time. Let me kind of move through this a little bit, one step further to talk about this idea and maybe make this make make a distinction. But so what if you feel government has overstepped its bounds and your civil liberties have been violated and you feel like, you know, my First Amendment rights? So that's a different conversation, right, mm-hmm. than the one about whether I would disobey my authority based on my Christian faith because of persecution. Mm-hmm. But what if I just feel like as a citizen of the United States that it's gone too far and mm-hmm. my rights are being violated? Mm-hmm. How should a Christian respond in a situation like that? Share concerns uh, in a respectful manner that would point glory uh, to God as we do that. Uh, but as you mentioned, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, you can't get around the fact that we're required, commanded to submit to authority. I think that even includes any constitutional rights that we're given. And those are given to us and granted to us really through God's sovereignty. And he also commands us to obey. And so when those things change, we of course, we have the responsibility and the privilege and opportunity to share those concerns. But I don't think it should usurp the fact that we're called to obey God. I think it's easy for Christians to get these two things mixed up. What we feel are our rights as Americans and then, you know, what our responsibilities are as Christians. So we have every right to lobby for, appeal to authorities. And, you know, even in our church family, people have very different opinions about, you know, some of these things. Some would lean more towards, you know, kind of a safety model protection. Some would lean more towards open up, you know, allow people to have the rights to make their own choices. And and there's, I'm really thankful for this at Harvest. There's a, a real grace in, in the ways that we handle these disagreements, but it's okay. We can disagree about things like this. But we do come back to understanding, you know, that's a discussion that we can have on a civil basis. What we get into trouble is when we take that and then we put it into kind of a, a spiritual, I have mm-hmm. this spiritual right. God's mm-hmm. given me this responsibility. That's a different mm-hmm. picture. And, um, and so this is the, the reason why we had to come back to these real biblical truths mm-hmm. on yes. this. Jeremy, anything else, you know, as you're studying through this, anything that you kind of thought were big pictures that would be helpful for us? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, Peter talks and encourages these Christians of the inheritance that's incorruptible that they have, the, the lively hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then those last verses that I just mentioned, 10 through 12, it's, it was such a... It was such an encouragement because it it talks about the prophets writing about Jesus Christ coming, the grace that's coming. When it even ends in verse 12 with the angels inquiring, looking at what we have as believers in the hope that we have. And so just, man, it just really, what a privilege we have with the hope, the living hope that we have in God. Because the prophets and the angels looked with envy on what we have right now. Awesome. Thank you for your help in teaching through and helping us walk through these ideas. And we'll pray together that uh, individually and as a church, we'd have good testimonies that would be clear manifestations of God's work in our lives. So thanks, Pastor Jeremy. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, we just want to invite you again personally to our live stream service this weekend 
at Harvest Baptist Church. We begin at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. You can go to our website for information, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. We also carry uh, the service on Facebook Live. This week, children who grew up to be difference makers and the moms who raised them from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We also carry the Sunday morning live stream here on 88.1 FM or on khmg.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.